You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Earth Station One listeners, and welcome to another episode. We've got a good one for you. It's another science episode, folks. Science! That's right, man. We are going to be talking all about stuff we always wanted when we were a kid, but we don't still have. You know, it could be taken about toys and gifts and stuff, but we're talking more about from, like, a science point. You know, like flying cars, teleporters, you know, food replicators, all that kind of fun stuff. Moving sidewalks. Well, we kind of have that. But there's tons of stuff like that that we wanted when we were growing up. And we got a great crew to talk well about it. I'm sure this man who's my co-host for tonight had tons of stuff that he was hoping that there would be around when, you know, he grew up. But he didn't get it. Let's find out. Say howdy to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Are you ready for this one, sir? Where is my flying cars? I was promised flying cars. Why? Why? That would fold up into a briefcase afterwards. Why do I not have my flying cars? Well, they've tried. They just haven't succeeded all that well. But, you know, there's some cool stuff, you know, close to it. But, you know, as I like to say, you know, do you really want to see the people who go out drinking, you know, at 2, you know, 2 a.m., you know, who crash into a, a curb or even a street sign or something, really going in a flying car after the bars? No, I don't think so. So it'll be very interesting to talk about. I'm sure that topic will come up when we talk to Dr. Scott and Chip later tonight. I'm sure it will. Of course it will. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Feedback at earthstation1.com is the way to get in touch with us. We definitely would love to hear what you guys had been looking forward to as a kid. Is it something that we didn't even think about? Or is it stuff that, you know, is on the horizon and just not here yet? It's going to be very cool to talk about and such. So should be tons of fun. And, you know, as we always like to say, if you want to leave feedback for us, please, wherever you listen to the show, we're up on all the major uh, players now. You know, we are a player. What can we say? You know, Earth Station One, the player. That should, that's what our title should be, Earth Station One, the player. I like that. I think that could work. So definitely leave feedback for us. Five stars would be appreciated, and we would love you guys fully if you did, as we like to say. We would totally love you guys. So, as we also like to say, we'd also want to give a big shout-out to our friends over at Patreon. We couldn't do the show without our patrons. And, you know, they keep the lights on at the station. And you know what? It's a great time to become a patron. We have new episodes of Rants and Raves coming to your way. We have new episodes of Bored Silly. We even have classic dcu coming your way we have a brand new episode going up this week so it's tons of fun and you know you also hear shows coming out early compared to the rest of the world so you get almost like a sneak preview and for as little as a dollar a month folks you can get all this kind of fun stuff and help support the eso network a couple people just you just uh raise their 
donation to the ESO network from a dollar to five. Thank you. Thank you for the folks who did that. Thank you. We love you. We, see, told you. We love you. It, and he, you know, for Mike Gordon to say that to you, you know, that's, that's pretty meaningful. It's pretty awesome when you could hear that. So it's pretty cool. All you do, patreon.com slash ESO network. And you too could be part of the Patreon of ESO. That's pretty cool. You know, Mark Maddox and I came up with that a couple weeks ago. He, he thought it was cool. So if Mark Maddox thought, thinks it's cool, it has to be somewhat there. Also want to give a wonderful, wonderful shout out to Tofosi Optical. Tofosi Optical. People are buying their glasses, folks. That's right. We get the reports and we've been getting notices saying people have been buying through our ESO network link. And so definitely check it out. You can get a really cool pair of sunglasses, safety goggles, uh, gamer glasses, you know, even face shields, pretty cool stuff you can get up there. So it's just not sunglasses, but Tifosi Optical will take care of you for every one of your glasses needs. So definitely check it out. Go to TifosiOptics.com, put in the coupon code EarthStation1 as a way of saying thank you. We give you 10% off your whole order, not just one pair of glasses, but your whole order. So check it out, TifosiOptics.com. Usually at this time, we usually have a Geek Seek victim. But this week, our Geek Seek victim canceled at the last moment. So Mike and I, you know, decided to do an audible real quick. And we're doing a rants and raves about WrestleMania. That's right, folks. Coming to you. It was in Dallas this year, wasn't it? It was. It was in Dallas, yes. Uh, it was at uh, actually technically Arlington because it's, it was at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And it was amazing two night event that saw some of the best wrestling I've seen in quite some time. And, you know, Mike watched it, you know, glued to his TV all weekend. And, you know, I watched the highlights. That's how I catch WrestleMania just to see what's going on. So Mikey, how would you rate this one out of some of the past ones? This one is still processing, but, uh, you know, this one was, uh, pretty good. Um, you know, the card was not bad. Um, they had, uh, in addition to WrestleMania itself being on Saturday and Sunday, of course, uh, Saturday afternoon, they had NXT Stand and Deliver, which is the first big uh, live event that NXT's had in over two years, I think. Uh, because unlike uh, the, w- the rest of the WWE, they haven't been going on the road. They've just been staying with their little studio inside uh, Orlando. Um, so that was a big deal, uh, seeing, um, seeing NXT and of course, uh, with the SmackDown on Friday and then the Hall of Fame ceremony on, on Friday night, as well as, you know, the Monday Raw and then of course Tuesday NXT. Like, yeah, there's like, there's a good five days of wrestling. Um, now it's, you know, they say it's a two night event, but it's really like five days. So it, it's pretty, um, it's there's a lot of content let's put it that way uh but uh i guess we'll start with the uh, hall of fame um and the hall of fame ceremony was pretty pretty good um overall uh, of course the big uh the big uh inductee uh, the major inductee um the the high profile one was the undertaker and uh and uh he came out and at the end and 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 spoke for, I don't know, it was a good, like, 40, 45 minutes, it felt like. Really? Um, yeah, it was, yeah, he, he came out and and sort of just sort of uh, relaxed and just became, he said, 
he said, you know, for all these years, over 30 years or whatever, everybody's seen him as the undertaker. And now he was going to take this opportunity to introduce people to Mark Calloway. So the, the, the voice had changed a little bit. It wasn't as deep. It was a lot more casual. And he was telling stories about, uh, about his time with the WWE and, uh, things that happened and, and some, some sort of things that he learned through his work at the WWE that have helped him not only with his career, but with his life, uh, sort of three things that, uh, he, he thought that, um, everybody should sort of pay attention to. And that was pretty good. You could tell everybody was, was, uh, listening big time, um, and, and paying respect to the undertaker. And I don't think, I mean, I think it maybe at the beginning, but certainly towards the, uh, like for the bulk of it, I mean, even the crowd wasn't doing their typical what chance. So they, you know, that has to, <laughs> that has to mean something if they're not doing that. Uh, but the rest of the induction, uh, was cool. The Steiner brothers, I think started, um, and, uh, they also had, um, uh, Booker T's wife, uh, queen, um, man, I blanked on her name now. Sorry. Uh Oh, I'm sure we'll yeah. get lots of emails. Charmel. Charmel. And, uh, also, um, uh, they also gave the warrior award to, uh, that, uh, member of crime time who passed away, uh, saving his uh, son, uh, in the current, that was pretty emotional. There was pretty, I mean, that was really emotional. You could tell everybody in the, in the stadium, uh, was, was affected by, by that presentation. Um, so was the ceremony in the football stadium itself or no. was the, it at a theater? Uh, no, it wasn't at a theater. It was at the, it was at the, um, I guess where the Mavericks play the arena because that's oh, where gotcha. SmackDown was. Gotcha. That's where SmackDown was. I think that's where NXT was on Saturday afternoon. And that's where Raw is tonight. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, they take over. So WrestleMania not is, I mean, it, I mean, WrestleMania itself is two nights at, uh, the Cowboy Stadium. But then they take over the arena for a few days and they take over the um, convention center because that's where WWE access is. So um, they take over lots of buildings. Plus, all these independent wrestlers come to town and, and I think they do what's called WrestleCon. So they sort of like piggyback on the event. So Dallas is full of wrestlers, both in the WWE, outside the WWE, just everywhere. There's If you want to... <laughs> It's it's like a wrestling fans, a pro wrestling fans dream, because uh, it's just all over the place. I have I know people who have gone this year and other years, and uh, actually, you know, it's kind of I don't really regret it. But it, when it came to Atlanta, like a number of years ago, I, I kind of uh, sad that I didn't take advantage of it because it is an event that I would like to attend at some point. I mean, it's massive. They had both nights. For the main events, uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, they had over 70,000 people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they had, uh, I mean, the place was packed. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's a lot of folks. Of course, nobody's wearing masks. Uh, Of course not. God forbid. uh, But uh, as far as the wrestling itself, uh, the card, I think there were a lot of great matches. Yeah. the uh on saturday 
You had two uh, women's titles matches, both the Raw and SmackDown women's titles matches were defended. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. I love Becky Lynch, and that match was uh, a credit to both of them. That was really, really, really good. Um, also, um, you had Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey, which was a pretty solid match as well. Uh, I think there was a few more mistakes in that one, but that's, you know, it's all right. Um, it still was pretty exciting. Uh Becky Lynch lost her title. So Bianca Belair is now the new Raw Women's Champion and uh, Charlotte retained. So Ronda Rousey was unsuccessful in dethroning the queen. Yeah, I heard about that. And I was actually kind of surprised because I thought both belts were going to change out. Yep. Nope. That was just one. And uh, um, the two big, big highlights, though, I mean, that everybody was talking about prior to WrestleMania that was really exciting was one, the mystery opponent that was going to face Seth Rollins, which you know, it wasn't much the, of a mystery. About, it wasn't talking about the worst kept secret in the WWE, right? I mean, the, the uh, weeks before the, the crowd kept chanting uh, Cody, 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 and we all knew Cody was going to return, but that did not make his return any less uh, majestic, any less uh, amazing to watch. Um, I mean, it was, it was pretty impressive. Uh, not only his entrance, which was, you know, done WrestleMania style. So it was huge with fireworks and done in a major big way, but also the match itself. It's a, it was really solid match. It went on for a long time, uh, had everybody engaged and it was, I think one of Seth Rollins best matches maybe ever. Um, and that's saying a lot because I, 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 I hold him in high esteem as far as uh, his wrestling matches go. And uh, Cody was great and hung with him. And it was it was really solid. It was probably pound for pound. It was probably the best. If you like pro wrestling, you know, rather than sports entertainment, it was probably the best match of the weekend. Okay. Yeah. A couple people said that. Um, so it was really solid. Now, if you're into sports entertainment, as opposed to pro wrestling, then the last uh, event of the evening on Saturday was the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, on the Kevin Owens show, he had a uh, no-holds-barred match against uh, Kevin Owens, and the guy can still bring it. And, of course, you know, it was uh, pretty amazing to see the crowd just, I mean, eating it up. And it was it was awesome to see Austin back in action, and he took some really hard bumps and he dished out some, uh, some cans of whoop ass all over KO. And that was pretty, pretty fun. Um, so it was fun to see him do all that. And of course there was a lot of beer drinking at the end. Um, and, uh, he was, he was great. He was in great form, did not seem to be, uh, you know, showing his age as much as, as people might've expected. Um, so that was a highlight uh, of since Saturday, I think was the better card overall. There were some some pretty good matches scheduled for Sunday as well, but I didn't feel like Sunday was as strong. But um, uh, you had uh, two events on Sunday of note. Uh, there was a there was a lot of good matches. Uh, I think a, a pretty decent match was Edge versus um, AJ, AJ. Yeah. which um, Edge, Edge Edge won, and I don't think that's over. I think that's going to you know play out for the next few pay per views. Uh, probably end up uh, in Hell in a Cell in a few months, in a couple months, I would imagine. Most likely, because um, it was also a heel turn for Edge, basically. 
Yeah, well, Edge turned heel like about three weeks ago uh, yep. when he first uh, uh, made the announcement that he wanted an opponent, and AJ came out and accepted, and then Edge cracked his skull open with a chair. So, um, but as we found out, um, it doesn't take much for AJ to make AJ bleed because uh, coming into his entrance at WrestleMania, he was already like gushing at the, on the cheek. So, <laughs> like he had he brushed up cut. against like a curtain or something, and and it cut his cheek, and he was bleeding right when he came down the ramp. It was like, wow, hasn't even started yet, and already AJ's like losing some blood. Um. So that was a decent match. The women's tag team match was great. Sasha Banks got a belt again with Naomi, as a, and, and that was a pretty fun match. It was the only women's match of the night, which I thought was kind of sad because they have a lot of women, a lot of great women uh, wrestling in, mm-hmm. in the WWE right now. And, a lot of them uh, were just sitting on the benches this year. A lot of them were sitting on the bench, yep. So that was kind of uh, unfortunate. but Because um, they didn't uh, have to do with Battle Royals this year, did they? Uh, just, uh, they had the, uh, Andre, Memo- Andre, the giant Memorial, uh, which was a battle Royale. They had that on a Friday, uh, on SmackDown, but they did not do a women's version of it. Um, so on Sunday, the, the two big events that people were looking forward to were, um, uh, Pat McAfee versus Austin theory. Um, Pat McAfee has, I mean, I thought it was going to be one of those celebrity matches that nobody really cares about. But, I mean, the crowd was so into Pat McAfee. It was Who is he? Incredible. He was, he's a former kicker for the NFL. Okay. Uh, I believe he was played for the Colts and the Jets. Um, um, I think um, the Jets. But I'm sure, I know he was at the Colts because he was in the Super Bowl when, when they beat the uh, Patriots. Er. Uh, but anyway, um, the, he has a the Patriots uh, can't beat the Colts and they're in the same. Div- oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Going to the Super Bowl. Event. Okay. Sorry, I meant. So anyway, um, come and, on, you got to know your sports ball, Mike. Come on. <laughs> um, and he's been doing commentary for SmackDown for about a year or so now. Um, and at first I thought he was annoying, but I've grown to like him as well. He also has a podcast slash radio show that's uh that's very popular and he's wrestled a bit um he wrestled a bit in nxt and uh and he had a match against austin theory who's a young kid from atlanta who uh tore it up in nxt and i think they've been high on he's been brought up at least twice uh to the main roster and uh and they just have struggled to know what to do with them. But right now the storyline is that he's Mr. McMahon's like protege. So, um, so he was fighting, uh, uh, on the, on behalf of Mr. McMahon against Pat McAfee. And, uh, the match itself was pretty good. Uh, Pat McAfee can wrestle. He's pretty decent. Um, and, uh, and Mr. McMahon got involved and ended up wrestling Pat McAfee as well. Uh, uh, Mr. Main Man, um, is in great shape. Uh, I mean, he's stripped down he's to what, a tank top and isn't he like 75 years old or something? He's 75, but dude, he is still packing guns. Like he, he ripped off his shirt and it was like, damn. Um, and they were putting the hurt on, on Pat McAfee. And, and then of course, uh, the sound of breaking glass and out comes stone cold again. Uh, to uh, give Pat uh, some assistance, including 
giving uh, stunners to both um, Austin Theory and Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon messed up the stunner. And oh. uh, and so uh, which Stone Cold found hilarious and couldn't stop laughing. And it was really a lot of fun. And again, that's like, you know, that's more sports entertainment. That's not really pro wrestling because, you know, it's not really great wrestling as far as that goes. But it's a lot of fun. Stone Cold is always fun to watch. Um, and he, and he, he's just, uh, the spirit of Stone Cold is alive. And I don't know if we'll ever see him again in this capacity. So it was kind of fun to, to see him give a can of whip ass, uh, on, on two occasions. That was kind of a bonus. We knew he was going to be there on two Saturday. nights in a row. We're not sure that he was going to be on Sunday. So, um, the, uh, the other spotlight match, uh, the other two spotlight match real quick, Sammy Zayn versus, uh, Johnny Knoxville was fun. They, they got the whole jackass crew involved and did a lot of crazy jackass type things to Sami Zayn. Um, uh, that was, uh, it was what, it was a really big, it was a gimmick match again, sports entertainment, but, uh, I couldn't help but laugh. It was really funny. Uh, some of the stuff was hilarious actually. Um, and then the, the main event of the night, which everybody was talking about, it was, it was, uh, hyped as the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Uh, champion versus champion, the Raw uh, WWE champion, Brock Lesnar versus the SmackDown Universal champion, Roman Reigns. And winner take all, uh, they were going to unify the belts. So whoever won would be the absolute uh, king of WWE. And uh, that uh, spoiler went to Roman Reigns. Um, and uh, apparently Roman, I thought the match was kind of short. But apparently during the match, Roman Reigns uh, separated his shoulder and it popped so out. So he really did. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. And he had to pop it back into place at the end. Uh, but yeah, he couldn't use one of his arms uh, towards the last few minutes of the match. And so they kind of ended it, I think, pretty quickly. Uh, but it seemed pretty good. I mean, it wasn't the best match of the weekend. No, um, you know, which is unfortunate because these are the two biggest guys uh, of the company. But it was it wasn't anything to be embarrassed about. I think both of them did a pretty good job, and uh, I didn't, you know, I had no idea how it was going to turn out. I I pretty much figured it was going to be Roman, but I didn't know for sure. Um, and there were certainly times where I thought it was going to be Brock. So, um, but uh, Roman Reigns is now the undisputed champion of WWE. He is now the head of the table, the tribal chief, uh, the big for guy. Everybody. So for everyone. So, yeah, so we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, I predict that will last as long as next year. Uh, WrestleMania, I believe, 39, which is going to take place in Los Angeles. I predict that that will be Roman Reigns versus The Rock. And it'll be The Rock's last match. Uh, I think it'll be The Rock's last match, but I also don't think they'll give him the championship. No, no, it'll, it'll be another passing of the torch. Uh, you know, same way that, uh, I think Brock passed the torch to Roman here. I don't know if we'll see Brock to another match. Uh, maybe, maybe, I mean, the backlash is coming out. Um, obviously we've got SummerSlam. So, and I don't know, there's nobody right now that's in a position character wise to beat Roman Reigns. So it, Roman Reigns is still going to be the champion for a while. And I have enjoyed what Roman's been doing. Uh, I think uh, his character is is pretty awesome. Uh, he's been um, 
saying some, uh, his, you know, his character work before his, his work on the mic was not great. Uh, but it, I think it's improved vastly and, uh, uh, he's fun to watch. I, I enjoy watching Roman Reigns now and, uh, we'll see what he does, you know, starting, uh, starting tonight on, uh, as we're recording this, it's the Monday after raw, which is usually a big deal. Uh, they've got some people that have been waiting to return that have been injured. So we'll see if that happens tonight. We'll see if there's any other surprises as well as going forward. But I will tell you that uh, despite the fact that, you know, I, as much of fun as I have watching pro wrestling and special WrestleMania, uh, it is a lot <laughs> because oh, I also yeah. do watch A&E as well. I'm sorry, AEW. Not A&E. I was going to say A&E. <laughs> wow. I do watch uh, AEW as well. And, uh, you know, we could talk more about that stuff and the state of wrestling on a on a Patreon rants and raves. I think that'll be fun. But for now, let's just say that um, over the next few weeks, if history is any indication, I will be burnt out a little bit of wrestling. So it's a, it's a lot watching like five, six days in a row of wrestling. And then, um, you know, and then everything kind of will spin in their wheels a little bit until until uh, SummerSlam, I think. So mm-hmm. not to say that there won't be some good stuff coming, but um, I think, you know, for all those people who weren't excited about WrestleMania, I think where they put on a really great show. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people, even me, at the, uh, have said, you know, Oh, I'm not really excited about WrestleMania this year. But then when you watch it, you you understand why the WWE is the the literally the best sports entertainment company in the world. That nobody does it bigger, nobody does it better. They're just they always put on a good show. Uh, it's impressive. Their sets, their their pyros, everything that goes into it, um, and their talent is pretty much on on top of everything as well. Some of the matches aren't booked as well as I would like, so there's some there's some of that. So it's not perfect, but I think it's overall pretty solid. That's pretty cool. You know, I've like I said, I watched the highlights of it, saw you know, you know what I wanted to see because I had actually forgotten it was happening, and it was just like it was neat to see, but you know, good on you for spending the weekend because I couldn't have done it. That's, that's a lot of wrestling just to sit there and watch and to do. And it was interesting to see, you know, I'm glad the main event lived up to what it was supposed to be. And I heard Becky Lynch and Bianca was just amazing. I heard that was probably one of the highlights of the weekend. I would say I would say Cody and and Seth was the the best match of the of the entire weekend. Um, I would then say that Becky and Bianca was probably the second best, right? Um, and then you know, and then it gets into like uh, I would say after that, you know, then it's then it's like fun stuff, like the Stone Cold stuff was fun, uh, the Stone Cold um, Mr. McMahon. Um, Austin Theory, Pat McAfee stuff was fun. Right. And, uh, you know, and then uh, the Sami Zayn stuff was fun. The rest of the matches were solid. I didn't think there was any bad match. Unfortunately, there was a couple of injuries. Uh, I know that um, uh, I believe uh, Boogs uh, got uh, injured. Um, he shouldn't say Nakamura's uh, tag team partner. He was injured all right in the first match. Right? First match of the night on Saturday. Uh, he had to be taken out in the stretcher because he, uh, yeah. And, you know, it, we've, we, Biggie was not there because Biggie's is suffering a neck injury. And 
you know, showing looking, I, you know, watching that a few weeks ago happen on SmackDown, you understand that what these people do is, is just sometimes inches away from ending their careers or ending their lives. Oh yeah. Uh, For people um, who say wrestling is fake, there's still massive injuries. There, I mean, yeah, it, it can take their, it's toll on people. And, and uh, it is uh, an impressive thing that these people do to sacrifice their bodies for entertainment. And uh, well, I, look I appreciate at, Look them. at somebody like Edge, who didn't ever think he was going to wrestle again because of a exactly. neck injury. Exactly. And, you know, and thank goodness because of the advances in science and rehabilitation and such, he's been able to get into the ring. He's not the same wrestler he was before by any means. But it's it's just it's pretty amazing to see what these people can do. And yeah. and as as Mark Calloway said at the end of his induction speech on Friday, uh, now that the uh, Undertaker is in the Hall of Fame, he will rest in peace. Uh, however, Mark then did put on the cowl, uh, the jacket, long jacket, and the hat of the Undertaker. And then in Undertaker voice, he said, "Never say never." See, so you know, who knows? Like, is you know, but I, I, you know, I don't think it's likely that we'll see him again. But you never know. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. It'll be very interesting to see uh, what happens with some of these wrestlers after they retire. Because hell, look, Scott Steiner opened the Shonies in <laughs> uh, in over in Woodstock. Actually, well, no, we'll, Ackworth, Ackworth, sorry. We'll and be then, seeing the new Hall of Fame Steiner Brothers uh, this weekend in SC Comic Con. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. It should be actually pretty cool to see. That's right. We'll talk about us being at South Carolina Comic Con. Uh, we got table numbers. We got, you know, events coming up. We're not going to do any panels, though, this time. Uh, the con itself is not doing any panels so this year. So that's the only reason we're not going to be at that point. But it's, you know, going to be great to see everybody. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But until then, let's take a quick break. And we'll be back in a moment. And we got some science to talk about. Science! Hey, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. I'm just getting back from a family trip to Walt Disney World, so I feel like I'm trying to get caught up on all the entertainment stuff I missed while I was out. It looks like Morbius didn't exactly dazzle the critics, and it's getting pummeled in terms of reviews, but it did decently at the box office, so I will be curious to see what kind of legs this superhero movie has. Also in theaters, I did get a chance to see the action romance comedy, The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, and this movie was hilarious. I can't remember the last time in a theater that I laughed out loud as much as I did for this one. Listen, it's not the most amazing movie that you're ever going to see. I'm not going to promise you that, but it is really, it's a fun time at the movies. There's some silliness laughs and just seeing some actors do their thing and have good chemistry and be funny. So I highly recommend that if you're looking for a fun night out at the movies. 
on streaming, also getting caught up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Moon Knight over on Disney+. And this series is really trippy. As trippy as Loki could sometimes be, it has nothing on Moon Knight. I kind of like that this series doesn't try to hold the audience members' hands. It just kind of drops you in the middle of this story and you're trying to figure out what exactly is going on when you have this superhero character who has different identities and how he becomes a vigilante and fights crime. It drops you in the middle of the story versus doing a slow buildup of an origin story over time. I'm super curious to see what's going to happen next and to keep watching this series. That's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO Podcast website. Doctor Who is all about change. For almost 59 years, the show has gone through many regenerations. One thing always consistent is a sense of hope and wonder across all space and time. It's the dawn of a new era, and your friends at our station Who will be here to cover everything to come this year and beyond. Please rate and subscribe to our show wherever fine podcasts are found. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we're going to be doing stuff we thought we would have as a kid, but we still don't have. What's the deal? Come on. And we've got some great folks to talk all about it. Right, Mikey? Yes. It's all about science, of course. And we have our science crew with us, starting, of course, with Dr. Geek himself, Dr. Scott Vigay. Welcome back, sir. Hey. Hello, everyone. Howdy. Howdy. And we also have with us uh, Chip Johnson. How are we doing? All right, guys. Uh, All right. So we're going to get right into it. This is, uh, you know, stuff that we thought we'd have by now uh, based on, you know, television, movies, et cetera, et cetera. And I just want to get the big one out of the way because this is the one that comes up every time this is this topic is 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 addressed. Uh, And it's been going on for quite some time. Uh, In 1927, movie Metropolis came out and introduced, I think, people to the concept, the visual concept of flying cars. Uh, in a big city in the future, um, you know, in 1982, Blade Runner came out um, and they predicted that by 2019, which was three years ago, <laughs> 20, uh, 2019, that there would be flying cars. Only the cops would have them. You know, that's that's <laughs> like they were there, but only the cops. Um, and then shortly after, what, the year 2000 or so, IBM had that great campaign with Avery Brooks yelling about where his where are his flying cars? I want my flying cars. Why don't we have flying cars? Why? 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 You know, like, um, and I think a lot of us were feeling that way too. We were like, hey, we were promised by now, by the year two thousand, we would have flying cars, and here it is, twenty twenty two, and it's still not a thing. Um, I know you get asked this question a lot, Scott. So I'm going to hand it to you. Where are our flying cars? <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, that Avery commercial is actually one of the the origin points for Doctor Geek's laboratory. So this is why uh, Mike was saying I get asked this a lot. Uh, short version is that well, Blade Runner might actually be a little closer to the truth. Um, there are uh, some areas of the world that are trying to develop the flying car, but it's for places um, like the Arab Emirates. 
um, United Arab Emirates, where they have the super tall buildings and stuff like that. And they're um, looking to make you know, using a platform that is a little bit more drone than car, um, but the ability to hover like a helicopter, but maneuver better like a uh, like a plane, and to be able to be, use it in rescue situations, uh, help people get out of the taller buildings and and stuff like that with fires or other disasters. And and so there, there's um, quite a few examples of governments in Europe uh, looking into things like that. Uh, but here in America, it's been the same thing since 2012 when I, you know, started to really look into this. And, you know, you have the Mueller Sky Car, you have the Terrafugia Transition. And, you know, and since then, they've come up with their X model. And it's all basically the same problem. What makes a wonderful car, um, it makes a terrible plane. And what makes a wonderful plane makes a terrible car. You want, you know, you want a car to be durable and heavy and grab the road and be able to do all these things. And, um, and then with an airplane, you want it to be light and, and be able to, to use the, the wind to great lift and, and use as little power as possible. Um, so you have as much fuel economy as possible. Uh, and then, of course, there comes to the problem about what people use the flying car for. If you are a pilot and, you know, or something like that, and you have a long distance commute or something like that, you would, it would be great to hop and make that, that hour long drive 20 minutes, right? But you're never going to take the entire, uh, softball team to the movies or go to a Costco run with your flying car, you know, at that point, um, it's not very feasible. And because of all of that, um, I think that's the problem. It's going to be a niche um, device for as, until it becomes useful to the general public. And there's been a, a big push to try to get people to become more like pilots, you know, to join a private aviation because there's the infrastructure out there, to do that. There's plenty of small little airfields out there that people don't even know about that aren't being used very well that it had to take the capacity. We could learn, get people to be more like pilots and be able to, to do these quick little jumps and be able to get to Southern California in a short time from Northern California, be able to do all these things, but it's still going to be more like aviation than the Jetsons. And, it will, and it's going to remain that way until we, until we're, you know, we're uh, changing the way we live in our cities, you know, until you have the super high rises where there's just no parking and you're just going to have to everybody land on their roofs and, you know, and stuff like that. So you uh, want it to be like the Jetsons where it folds up into a briefcase, basically. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned Metropolis, right? I mean, until we have cities that are more like Metropolis, uh, there's going to be, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, there are, there are communities called fly-in communities that are designed for people to have air, uh, airplanes. And you actually, your, your driveway is your taxi field and you can land and pull right into your garage and the whole thing. It's, I've actually been to one. It's pretty darn cool, but it's definitely an, a niche deal. Yeah. And I, I think also, um, of course, it's certainly in this country, you know, the uh, American auto industry has shown, you know, it's kind of surprising that it hasn't happened yet because they always have shown that they are open to revolutionary concepts 
throughout their history, just ask Preston Tucker, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, like uh, you know, how Are long you being sarcastic? <laughs> how long is it taking us to get a, an electric car going? Like, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of other factors that are keeping those concepts down. I would say, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, the companion to this are things like the autonomous driving car or the um, or the, the types of vehicles that are, are communicating with, between one another, and it's all one sort of like you know great AI chain. And your car is something more than a pod in that chain. And so you program it to where you want to go with a nice uh, GUI interface and you sit back and don't do anything. And it knows to like, you know, link up with the rest of the convoy, you know, all that sort of stuff. All that technology is totally doable. It's just whether or not there's a big push to do that. And you can, you can, you can drown people with information and say, look, the fuel economy, look at this, look at that. You know, if, if everything was being controlled on the freeways, you wouldn't have everything slow down like crazy because people wouldn't be stopping multi accidents. You know, the average rate of speed would be faster, you know, all these other things. But the problem is we like our freedom to be able to say, well, I didn't want to leave at, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon. Right. I, you know, I need to be able to leave when I want to leave and I want to be able to do what I want to do. And some of these other technologies really become, you know, make an impact when it's more than just you, you know, when, when it's three or four cars linking up or it, or something along those lines. I mean, so that's why, uh, you know, and I, and the same thing goes sort of the, the, um, the hover train, you know, you, I, 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 I love the idea of the high speed rail and all that sort of stuff. It's just not very viable unless you have all the land. You know, so well, that's true, but that's also America because it's also spread out. Where right. places like Asia or Europe, you have everything that's a lot more condensed, and they have the infrastructure already laid out for the rail. And right, because the country was built around carriage lanes, which transitions to rail, so it's a heck of a lot easier to just maintain the rail. The U.S. was very much not built with majority rails through it when the country was coming up. Right. So it's a heck of a lot harder to retrofit them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that, 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 and we don't have a, 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 an easy slave force to, to make it easy and spread it across the country. Like we did with the original rail. I, no I think that it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a point there. Um, it would be a little bit more expensive to take that, uh, to, to do that now. But, but I think but, also the issue of retrofitting is a, another big deal too, because uh, you take a city like San Francisco, which is built on landfill um, and on on earthquake faults, and all of a sudden you start talking about putting you know a train through a tunnel right underneath the most unstable land in in the United States, and you're like, well, I wonder what you know what bank's going to go for that risk? You know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And and. So, I mean, so some of this is, you know, there's no problem with the technology. Uh, it's just not going to be used the way we hope because we are who we are. And that sometimes is annoying as heck. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, also, well, and, agreed. Go ahead, Mike. No, agreed. But, you know, now we're finding the, U- the U.S. is now trying to play catch up with the rest of the world with any kind of high-speed rail completely. And yeah. You know, and look at the trouble they're doing having down there in Florida, where you are, Scott, you know, yeah. with, well, we with were, Freightline we... and everything. But, you know, you also have 
the CalRail, you know, going between Los Angeles and San Francisco, how long it's taken in area. Oh, my God. Well, so, so great examples about both of those really quickly, because that could be a, a whole other show. But in for California's situation, they've been having a problem because they ultimately realized that they need to sync up with slow speed rail. And so that doesn't go so well. And I believe the current project is now, rather than going from San Diego to Marin um, County and, and you know, in, in the, the Silicon Valley, I believe it's now going to two parts uh, in Merced. I mean, like 30 feet apart from each other. And then you have to take a bus to get to the other, to link up to the other thing. And that's still going to be billions of dollars. So I don't, so if they really want to sell this to the American public, you need to pick a spot that you could, you know, you're going to have an easy win, right? You know, try to find some spot where you actually own the land, not going to spend two and a half decades fighting over it with people who've got their houses there. And then make sure that show them what what true high speed can do, mm-hmm. not some sort of blended rail. You know, You're probably going to find the really first high speed rail is going to be between Vegas and Los Angeles. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And as far as Florida goes, Disney is a big proponent of the high speed rail because they can see people going directly from the Orlando International Airport directly to Disney Springs directly on property. Then you know they got you. Uh, to Miami to Orlando is something that people have been wanting for a long time. But I, but then, you know, it's all politics at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that, it, I know that in the 1960s, Disney offered uh, Orange County a monorail system. Disney was going to pay for it completely. And uh, Orange County turned them down and came up with all these policies as said, Oh, monorails make too much noise. And, and oh, the, the upkeep is going to be impossible. And uh, monorail, monorail, yeah, but, monorail, yeah, exactly. Monorail. He, he was going to offer it for free for the the community for for Orange County and the remaining in the surrounding cities, and install it for free. And and you know and all that stuff. And and they still found a a a, a an, op, an opposition. I, I can never believe that. You know. Yeah, and 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 I definitely think. I mean, my love for Disney as a kid uh, and visiting Disney World several times, the monorail and a lot of the other things that were featured in Tomorrowland as well as Epcot were things that I was really uh, excited to see in the future. And very few of those things have have actually come to be. And and I think part of it is uh, obviously due to you know, like you said, politics and. And a lot of companies blocking things that threaten their existence, but also just, um, you know, a matter of, uh, I think we don't have as many people with the, the kind of visionaries that were, that yeah. Disney was and other people like that. I mean, I'm not to say they don't exist, but certainly not as successful. <laughs> and, um, and also that, uh, and some of these things that we thought we were going to get aren't just not as practical as we thought they were going to be. Right. That's like, why I, I know, like, yeah, like Chip. As far as flying cars go, getting bets that like, how practical would that really be to have flying cars? Well, when you yeah. when you talk about flying cars, my thought isn't actually the Jetsons. It's if you go back in old, and I have way too many of them because my dad was a sci-fi nerd. But if you go read old 1950s sci-fi, they love flying cars. Like there's there's tons of stories, but they were they were written the way um, Doctor Geek was talking about, where they have like, you know, it's essentially a lounge. Like you set the you set the controls to go from Los Angeles to new york and then the chair spins around and now you're having a meeting while the car is flying so it's a big infrastructure 
but it also has that lovely thing that always makes me giggle when you read old sci-fi, which is we're just enough into the nuclear age that we know it can do cool stuff, but we're not scared of it yet. So everything is powered by nuclear reactors. Like you just read and it's like, oh, we drove past the nuclear stoplight. Okay, cool. Nuclear engine. And it's like these, everything is nuclear powered. So like everything, so that, you know, also solves one of the other big issues with flying cars, which is energy, energy use and time, you know, they're great for that little puddle jump that you're talking about, but where people are really going to want them is to fly from California to New York without having to hop on three plate, you know, three jets and a puddle jumper. They're going to be like, Oh, I can just turn my car on and go. And it's really hard fuel efficiency wise to make even that hop without some sort of fuel out just based on the dimensions of a car. Right. And forget about just cars. Like, can you imagine if, like large trucks, cargo and everything could be like, like not gotten off the highways and actually, you know, more, more airbound. Um, that would be pretty amazing. And you'd think that there'd be a use for that, but obviously it's uh it's an expensive proposition. Well, I, you know, Chip raises a great point about the energy. Uh, you know, I don't remember reading in the late seventies, people were, you know, just about, you know, we were, we were moments away from cracking that cold fusion problem. Uh, and there was three or four, you know, instances where every so often, you know, I go, I think we've done it. I think we've done it. Can't reproduce it. Can't reproduce it. Did and, we just have that like a week ago? Yes. Yes. <laughs> there was an article like a week. I actually yes. just got done doing a nuclear unit with my kids and I was trying to explain like fusion and fission. And I said, if you really want to laugh, go back and watch 80s spy movies. Almost without a doubt, half of them, the thing, the MacGuffin is the formula for cold fusion. That's the MacGuffin for half the spy movies of the 80s. So I, I just think that, you know, that's a good example. So, like, you know, and, and you pointed out, I was going to mention that thing from last week. I don't know if we're any closer, you know, and somebody always asks me, you know, so how can we get the Star Trek future that we've always wanted? And I said, well, the answer to that is uh, a replicator and a, and a warp core. If you have a warp core and a replicator, you've got the Star Trek universe because that's the only way that you don't need latinum or credits or anything like that. You know, wasn't that they, they've, they've said several times that like speaking of warp cores as technology, we thought we were going to have like being able to do big space jumps. Like that was the other end of it is these big, they've, they've done the theoretics. And I think it was said, I read an article once many, many years ago that basically said you would have to have enough energy to shrink the universe behind you and expand it in front of you. Mm -hmm. And like, the, the last, the last thing I read was a gentleman. You know, when when NASA released the image of the International Enterprise, the mm-hmm. uh, and it was actually drawn by the, uh, the Akuta uh, team that did the all the artwork for Next Generation DS Nine and all that stuff. Oh right, and 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 so and like most things in the press, you hear some sort of scientific breakthrough and it gets distorted, like telephone. And, you know, so they took that artwork to, to grab people's attention. And what they were really talking about was the math behind Warp Drive, that they had, they think they had cracked it so that you didn't need to, to expend all of the universe in order to make one jump, but that maybe that all you would cost us would be the, all the energy of one sun. 
And at which point then there were all these memes from Doctor Who, right? Well, the doctor just destroys the sun to, to say goodbye to Rose. So I guess that can't be So that worth it. So <laughs> worth it there. Okay, see, you talk about destroying a sun making you think of Doctor Who. It makes me think of Transformers 4. <laughs> It makes me think of the the big machine in Transformers Four, that one where the Dark of the Moon, not Dark of the Moon, um, uh, Revenge of the Fallen, second one, where they had to suck up the sun's energy, and that was the whole plot point. Huh. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think we're a, a ways away, but it, you know, ironically, we do now have credits. You know, most people use their debit card rather than paper money, and that seems to have tracked pretty well. There is cryptocurrency, but I don't think you know. I'm curious as to what everybody thinks about that. Personally, uh, you know, I think it's bad enough that we're dealing with money that's backed by governments, but at least we can hold them accountable. Eh? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who, yeah. I don't know who you hold accountable for cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely one of those things that, again, like practical. Like we thought, you know, in a, in a fictional setting, it's like okay, yeah, that's a no brainer. That's going to be cool. But then, you know, in real life, practically, it's like practicality it's just it doesn't make sense i think the biggest example i know of that is that you know we all thought that we'd have like dick tracy like watches that you know we could see each other and talk on on and we've had those now for like years you know and i watch and all that kind of stuff and people just people just don't want to see one another like when they're doing (laughs) i I mean if anything what's amazing to me is that people don't even really want to talk now they just want to text each other so the whole like audio experience is gone too like that is something that i don't think anybody could have predicted Uh, totally i'm right there with you i have an apple watch and i thought you know know, yay oh you know all right nearly 100 percent on the futurometer scale if only it would be more fashionable and then i spent the next hour going down a rabbit hole looking for uh a some sort of artwork that would make it look like the dick tracy uh, watch found it by the way. Um, I, I have on my Fitbit Versa 2 one of the little step counters it does. My background is it actually does it like a spy mission, so it says, like, you know, you've completed this mission, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I have to have something goofy like that because that also makes me do it, you know. It's like, yes, yes, I'm a nerd, and it makes me work, but it's you know, but it, it's funny things like that. It's, it's like, you know, we don't have. Uh, I mean, but here's, here's something that that has seemed to to, to work, uh, like Zoom, like what we're doing here. Yeah. You know, in 2001, a Space Odyssey, this would have cost us too much to do this call. <laughs> you know, uh, but now we can do it for free, and and it's everywhere, and you know, maybe a little bit too available. Well, um, another you know. thing, if you think about it, you know, long distance was is a thing of the past nowadays. Yeah. Especially, yeah, you, don't to, you don't have to be charged long distance. Like, no, there's no exactly. Long distance call. I remember the days when yeah. I was in college having the MCI card or the Sprint yes. card. You, <laughs> know. Oh, you didn't just have a tape recorder to play the tones into the payphone there? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But no, it was, it, was, it was interesting. You know, you had to pay an arm and a leg to call, like, you know, 20, 30 miles away. I remember being in LA once. This was early 90s. And I was over in West Hollywood and I had to call a friend of mine who lived down towards Compton and it was long distance. And I was like, what? In the same city? 
and forget about talking to anybody like in other countries. I mean, that right. was just something you had to take a loan out for, right? Like it, it right. was that was so expensive. I, there's a lot of things that you know. If I went back and talked to teenage me, he would be like blown away by a lot of the things that you know that we have uh, now that uh, we're not. A thing then and but this isn't like the old man like it back in my days podcast this is this is like stuff i, I want to talk about more stuff that we actually like like growing up in addition to thinking that things were going to be like disney hoping that things were going to be more like disney and epcot and tomorrowland you know i'm just really thankful that we didn't end up doing what we thought we were going to do back then which is have a nuclear war um, right. so uh, I'm certainly Ray, that, that hold your beer, about. hold your beer. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Not to, I mean, it's never off the table still, but, um, you know, I, I mean, I, all, uh, I, I, I think it is a thing of the past, really, right? I've been having some flashbacks lately. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. I get it. They've, they've been bringing it. back all the things from the 90s, you know, the desserts, <laughs> the snacks, the USSR. Um, why, not, anyway. why not the Cold War, right? Yeah, well, hey, well I don't, honestly, um, when it comes to nukes, I'm I'm far less worried about what we were worried about in the 80s of like two countries legitimately arming missiles. Everybody goes. I'm way more worried about wing nuts in the corners getting a hold of some sort of fissionable material from or somebody some kind of dirty bomb or something like that. Dirty bomb or just yes, that's yeah. that that that's what keeps me up at night is not nobody turning a key in an actual silo with some lone nut going into a stadium with one of those. Yeah. No, no, not, not, not Dr. Strange though. Right. No, like, much, uh, much more. Uh, what is it? The, the Jack Ryan, um, uh, some of all fears. Yeah. Is, some of all fears. Um, if we're talking about things that poor, we thought poor we were Baltimore, have, poor, poor Baltimore, <laughs> they always get hit. Um, if we're talking about things that we thought we were going to have, I'm actually going to go one for the animators in the room. In the original Gundam series that came out in the late 70s, early 80s, they had as a round, it was actually, it would have been right around this time, they had like 20 functioning space colonies. So mm-hmm. not only were we, it wasn't, and when I say functioning, I mean big cylinder cities, not like a couple of astronauts floating around in the you know International Space Station. I mean entire communities living out in space. And that was supposed to be, this era was basically supposed to be when it started. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. two of yeah. the biggest shows that I had that were growing up was Space 1999. 1999! <laughs> <laughs> right? We were going to have a colony on the moon, uh, and then, you know, that didn't end really well. but uh, Or begin really well, really. Um, but, uh, you know, so... And then Star Trek, which actually predicted that, you know, certainly, um, you know, Star Trek itself, but the history of man, I mean, you know, we are well past the eugenics wars and all of that uh, first contact stuff. So, like, we thought all of that was going to happen, um, or they thought that all that was going to happen. They predicted it, um, but, of course, that hasn't come to pass either. But, yes, I think, and we talked about, you know, colonization and space flight and all that kind of stuff last time uh, on the last science show. So I don't want to get too deep in that. But, yes, I did think that that the space would be more of a thing, especially since the shuttles were, were going off uh, pretty frequently. Uh, even if we did have uh, lost uh, some trouble with some, there was, uh, it, was it still looked like the program was still going to continue and we were going to continue to move forward. But man, did that get sidetracked big time? Yeah. I, I, I've got one for you. 
uh, being able to have universal translation. Ah, okay. we, so, we are actually getting pretty close to that one. Yes, we are. Yeah. We are. I was going to say not, Google has you know a couple of tools. It's just out not there. instantaneous. Yeah, yeah, so and and much. and not yet in your own voice. You know, what I what I've I've experimented with the one on Skype, and I've played obviously with the one uh, with with Google, uh, and you know, and, and stuff like that. We we. Um, interviewed uh it was gonna be a show on universal translation that we were going to do for dr geek did the whole set of interviews and then took so long to to produce that story that i double checked to make sure you know hey what's the latest with what they're building and they scrapped their entire uh ut uh department because they figured you know what who's really going to use it and i'm like oh you know and of all the of all the programs it was the most uh, ambitious and the the most robust. I mean, you know, sure, you, Google Translate will help you if you if you're you know. I when I was teaching, I had some parents that didn't speak English, and I didn't speak their language, but we were communicating via uh, a class dojo or something along those lines. And so, because of that, both of us were sitting there with Google Translate, copying and pasting to see what you, what everybody was talking about. And it works, but if you actually know the language that you're translating to or from, it is you know not exactly the best uh, for nuance or you know because there are multiple ways of saying X, and Google Translate will pick the most rigid, you know, non you know nobody ever says it this way, you know, you know kind of a response. And if you're dealing with a native speaker who's trying to be maybe a little more informal you're going to be lost completely, you know, kind of a thing. So I was really hoping this other program was going to kind of be there. And I also know my, my um, father-in-law was a engineer for Bell Labs, and he mentioned this project uh, a long time ago. And one of the reasons that it's been hitting a problem is what we would call today a deep fake. If you can reproduce someone's, language and voice so well that an artificial intelligence could guess what, you know, what you translate what you're saying and put it in your voice. Um, at that point, then you, you, you know, how do we know what, what's being recorded is you. And it's become such a big problem that, that laboratories like Bell Labs was kind of told, you know, Hey, slow your roll. Uh, we're not ready for that yet. And in some cases, I don't think we still are. I mean, I know the legal profession, it's got to be the last organization on the planet to adopt something new. So there may be a, a long time, even though the technology is there, before we're allowed to have, you know, a com badge that translates everything for you. Although, ironically, Apple just unveiled a patent for a com badge. So hopefully, you know, maybe the two will line up. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, the speech-to-text function, even in the same language, is is not as reliable as we'd like. I mean, we've seen yeah. that with with whether you're using Alexa, whether you're using a GPS, whether you're just like trying to uh, take notes, um, you know, uh, in, with your voice and then have it, you know, translate uh, into some sort of text on your phone or on your computer or whatever. Um, those are maybe like seventy five percent reliable at best. And that's, and, you know, with every, with, you know, there's words, there's, there's formal language, and then there's like colloquialisms and, 
accents and everything that has, I mean, it's a huge project to under, undertake. Uh, you know, it's I'm, like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I think we just have to hope that we find like Babel fish at some point and stick them in. <laughs> That's actually my thing. I was going to say is that I'm actually okay with it being like 98% effective. As long as you don't have to stick anything in my ear. Like, you come behind me and stick a fish in my ear. I'm gonna be like, you know what? I'm cool. I'm cool with Google Translate. I'm cool. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I saw okay. what happened. I saw what happened in Rathacon. No, I'm not doing <laughs> that. Exactly. You know. Mike, Mike, what's something else from your childhood that you really thought we'd have by now? Oh, wow. You know, it's pretty interesting when you think about it. You know, I always, you know, teleporters. I always wanted to, you know, be able to teleport wherever I wanted to go. Why sit in the car when you can be somewhere instantaneously? And you mean you I, want to destroy yourself and make a new one? Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> maybe tw- maybe thirty pounds lighter it would be great. The new one, you know, I think that would be pretty darn awesome. Because if you think about it, you know, a teleporter, like you said, Chip, is you know it does destroy your current body and rebuilds it, you know, out of atoms. Kind of what happened to Mike TV and Willy Wonka, because that was the first place I ever saw a teleporter and everything, because I didn't watch Star Trek before that, you know. Arthur to the point. And, you know, you saw his molecules going through the air in the movie and everything. He, you know, was the size of a Funko Pop afterwards. But, you know, it's, it was interesting to see. Um, but, you know, that's, that was my first, you know, and then I saw Star Trek and, you know, saw, you know, they beamed down to the planet and it was the coolest thing. And I love how on Discovery now they just, you know, beam everywhere around the ship and everything. They don't even, you know, walk anywhere. It's There's no like, transporter room anymore. It's a personal transporter. Exactly. The transporter's yeah. on. It's like they don't even say, wow. you know, they say beam them right to the thing, you know, but it's because each one has their own personal thing. And yeah. it's it's amazing and everything. So, you know, but, I mean, it, but, but I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but I mean, obviously it's, it's total fiction and, and it, yeah, I think Star Trek was the, the, the thing that the show that actually made me realize that there are some things that are put that we see on TV or in movies and stuff that are done so for logistic and plot reasons. And they're, <laughs> and they're not actual like possible technology. Um, and I think, I think transporters is one of those things that I would not be, I would be surprised if we ever see that because it just seems like it's too complicated. And the, if we, if it is ends up being like something like the prestige or something, then no, that's just <laughs> that's too creepy. I don't want to, that's, that's no, I don't want to do that. Well, no. a, a, a slight variation from the, the teleporting, you know, tech, uh, pursuit. Uh, they have been able to, uh, with quantum entanglement, teleport a, a photon, so with that, you know, that's more like uh, subspace radio. I could see where we might be able to use that technology and have really reliable communications, you know, a, 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 you know, great distances. I mean, that's something also from, from f- fiction too, right? Dick Tracy, no matter where he is, you know, the, the, the call goes through. I, I oh, have- come on, dude. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Can you hear me I, now? Yeah, I mean, hear- I, I mean the, the, the development I'm in... Uh, is uh, such a gigantic boom. They're building like crazy around us. But somewhere along the line, late last year, they knocked over a tower, and they're not planning on putting it back up in place until they're done with the three other apartment buildings that they're currently putting up. So quite literally, if it isn't for Wi-Fi calling over, you know, I have 
I have a Faraday cage in my house. <laughs> I, somehow, I, I you know, I've I've lost the ability without the internet to be able to communicate with the outside world, mm-hmm. and that goes from my and that goes from my house phone too, because it's all it's all avoid uh, you know calling because we don't even have a a, a traditional phone company uh, out here anymore. Uh, you know, so it's. Uh, so yeah, so being able to you know use your communicator and get a hold of the ship no matter where you are, unless of course you're mm-hmm. in some cave that has some weird ore, um, you know it, it, that's something from the future. I wish we had today. Yeah, it was interesting though because like when I was in school, we used to watch you know different movies and such, and they had this one movie that was from the 1950s that showed cars going into tubes and being you know. To, you know, suck through anywhere in the through the world, and there were like highways of these tubes going through. And I used to be like, "Oh, that would be so awesome to see!" Because you'd see the tubes going under the ocean, or mm-hmm. the tubes going through the desert, or going, you know. And then, you know, now, you know, we are almost at the point we might be getting that. I think cargo wise, for sure, because I believe it was right after the holidays. Um, Musk uh, said that they were still on track with cargo, but they have actually uh, fired all their staff for uh, doing it for people transport. I don't know what happened during the pandemic or, you know, or just trying to figure out what would be a quick win. But, uh, you know, I I was hoping to be able to convince somebody to let me go on a test uh, drive of that thing. I would have loved to. Well, I, you, you got to see the first people go through the the tubes and everything, yeah. and it was amazing to watch and to see, and it looked very promising. But there's still a lot of flaws with the system and everything. And you know, what happens if there's an earthquake and one of the tubes shift? You're going to see one of those things flying at what 250 miles an hour. 300 miles an hour out of the tube, you know, crashing into something or, you know, and it's, and it's, it's just, it's horrifying to think about. I think it's all doable. It's just, and I don't know what caused them to not further with humans, but I want them to, because I saw what that, that uh, lounge looked like. It looked something almost out of the Nautilus, you know, very plush, you know, very, very, uh, you know, it's so technological. It's anti-technology. We've hidden it all, you know, well, I think I think Mike's right that it's going to end up. Honestly, we're probably going to end up looking something more like uh, Godzilla versus Kong, the scene where they all get in the they. And minor spoiler for Godzilla versus Kong, um, it's over a year old, so I think I'm okay. But it's the where they yeah, get I in th- the little I think transport, it's okay, and there's like the thing is the size of a house, and it just shoots them from like what New York to like Japan to like mm-hmm. Tokyo inside of an hour. And it's so you know I think it's probably going to be something closer to that is what we're going to really end up with because you can put materials in that and you don't have to worry about anybody keeping track of anything. And if something goes screwy, you're out the supplies, maybe not the people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, and it's interesting because there's still companies, because I know Richard Branson has his own company. Virgin has their, you know, they're making their tubes and they're still going forward with it in Texas. And I also know they're still going forward with it in Dubai. So for awesome. So that's out there and it's it's going to be fascinating to see if it becomes viable but 
you know, because they had maps showing, you know, wh- how they could do it throughout the U.S. You can make it from Atlanta all the way up to New York in an hour and a half, you know, through these tubes. And that's pretty darn awesome, you know, if that's possible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I mean, we are all children from the last century, right? So, uh, and I know, I know, uh, Chip and Scott, you regularly um, encounter, you know, kids from that are foreign to this century. I'm curious, do you have any line on what they think is going to happen, what they're expecting to see in the future? Uh, Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Virtual reality? Yeah, the, the, the the joined shared virtual reality experience. I think that, I think that's very much on everyone's expectation. Uh, the other one that keeps coming up is uh, more immersive, interactive uh, entertainment. The concept of watching, you know, the the you know, it's it's TGIF Fridays lineup, you know, with the Bill Cosby Show and and you know and, and you know and all all that sort of stuff. It, the way television was presented to you and I. That's not how they view entertainment at all. In fact, uh, you know, it's like, oh, this dropped, this dropped. And it's not even, you know, I'm not even necessarily, they're not even sure if they conceive seasons the way of television like we did, because there was a point in time when, you know, oh, these are when the repeats happen. Or, oh, hey, this got, you know, the special happens in the middle of the year. We, we've completely uh, changed all that. And they've grown up with that as normal. So it's becoming more and more condensed, more and more on demand, more and more interactive, um, I think. There's no concept of what's my favorite network or, oh, I love, you know, this show necessarily or even the actors involved. Uh, none of that. And, and, uh, and in fact, some of the kids that, uh, that I was interacting with the last, I mean, they're aware of Harry Potter, but they – you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be bothered to read it. You know, if it would have to be retold in a much more condensed uh, format, I don't know what that's all about because I was, you know, but I don't know. There you go. Well, even growing up and, you know, when I, when I was a kid, people, if there was a movie option available, people would rather watch the kids would rather watch the movie than read some of the books, you know? Um, so that that I think is is pretty standard, um, and and that's not changed. The uh, the virtual reality is definitely a, a great one uh, because I do think that you know that's something that we didn't even really have uh, as kids. Like we didn't even really have that concept uh, yeah. there. But I mean, we had like towards the eighties and stuff. Thanks to Star Trek: Next Generation, we had the holodeck idea. But I think we're going to see that play out, but it's just going to be virtual reality instead of actually a room that changes. It's just going to be put on goggles. Give, well, give even, it, if, um, even if it's even if it's a room that's dedicated to this, like you have home theaters, right? I think yeah. what's, what's going to be interesting is that Second Life being more interactive, not just you sitting here with goggles in a chair, actually believing that you're in the environment that you've constructed mike but guys we are still in the infancy of virtual reality right now and i will tell you this because i did sign a non-disclosure agreement about this when i worked at microsoft um let's just say they had a building 
and this was in 97, 98, a whole building dedicated to virtual reality. And what we're seeing now is what they were doing then. Think about what they're at, where they are now. I think you're going to see more Ready Player One slash Holodeck by the time 20 years from now comes around and everything. I think that's going to be a very good possibility. But you also have, you know, with virtual reality, people just think, oh, gaming and, you know, stuff like that. But think of the educational, you know, virtues that you could do with it. And think about, you know, doctors using virtual reality to do surgeries or to do, you know, work and tie with robots and to then tie into, you know, people who are in accidents, you know, instead of putting somebody in harm's way, they can have a robot there, but it's guided by virtual reality. And it's, it's literally mind blowing what you, you'll be able to do with it. It's almost like you're, you know, when you put on the virtual reality helmet, you can control a robot or you can control, you become that robot. And, there was a movie with that, right? Yeah, exactly. There's been a couple stories like that. And it's, it's just amazing to see. There was an episode of Doctor Who, um, with the, we just talked about within the Matt Smith era where, you know, the people, you know, basically they, put on the, like helmets type thing and they became these non human non bodies but they looked like them and the almost people yeah. the almost people exactly mm-hmm. and you know they had you know, the whole thing they were working with acid you know mi- you know mining acid and they basically you know if one of the bodies got destroyed oh big deal we'll build another one it's going to be the same thing you know type thing what about, I don't know, did anyone see, I think it was Amazon Prime had it um, upload. Yes, oh, yeah. I actually really like that show. And if you want a good, um, I would say this, um, the whole uploading your brain to virtual reality thing, meh. Um, but if you want a good, like, somebody actually has, I feel like somebody has actually put thought into what the world could look like in 20 years, then it's actually a pretty good shot of it. And one of the things, like, you're talking about replicators of Star Trek, they talk about how they're one of the big divides is getting actual food from like a farm versus 3d printed. So anybody can have a steak, but it's like, you can buy a 3d printed steak. So everybody has like a little protein 3d printer. And so, but but this way you can spend an extra 10 bucks and get the Applebee's version. (laughs) Essentially. But then like, there's a whole part about a girl eating chicken for the first time that has, a bone in it, and she just never experienced. Yeah, I've never encountered that. Yeah, it's actually farm fresh. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I, 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 according, I saw a- according to my wife, food comes from the grocery store, not from a farm. <laughs> <laughs> I saw upload uh, season two, and because uh, I was wondering where they were going to go with it, uh, and very, very interesting. I, I think there's a harder sci-fi version dealing with stacks. I think that's what they called it, where you know everybody can. Uh, basically, have a second chance at you know, or you know, perpetual life. Uh, but the but the uber rich have this ability to maintain you know their upload uh, so that you know it, it, they only lose seconds. Whereas you know the uh, you know the uh, regular person you know they might have only been updated maybe once a month, and so they might lose um, the last month of their of their life 
when they get, you know, re-sleeved and stuff like that. So it was all very, very interesting. But I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what it'll take truly to map the human brain, but, but that's, Oof. but that's what's going on with the, the fiction today. I mean, next generation covered this a few times with data's, you know, fall in the, fill in the blank, uh, you know, uh, father, grandfather, mother. I mean, every time there, there was some sort of relation to Noonien soon, they, you know, somebody wanted uh, Dr. Graves, want, you know, took over data's body because he was dying. I mean, you know, we, we've seen this a couple times in Star Trek. All of it bad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Good things don't come out of this. Come on, friends. no, no. Well, mm-hmm. I, I've, I heard, um, I heard a man. I wish I could credit the writer, but it was a science fiction writer because they were asked about you know predicting the future on some of his other work and all that. Yeah. And he said the job of a science fiction writer is not to predict the future; it's to give warnings about what might be uh, dangerous that's coming up like and and i and and i'm paraphrasing and i'm really stating it badly but i did think that that was a pretty interesting way of looking at things it is i mean although i think that you know uh how dangerous was the fax machine <laughs> but uh you know <laughs> well, how, I, I how just, many people are you know have their nose in their phones now the, the you vaccinator can, exactly but if you think about it when we go to restaurants, half the time couples are sitting at their table, not even talking to each other. They're just on their fripping phones. Yeah, and everything. Yeah. So well, now now that our classrooms are all done by tablets, it's, you know, it's worse. You know, to try to get somebody to you know speak up, and you know, every, you know, we're going to do the thing where everybody reads a paragraph. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm I though I will say the trade-off you were talking about the virtual reality earlier. The trade-off on the tablets is like the biology teachers in my school can do now where they can do kids literally can go out when they're doing different environments and ecosystems. Yeah. They can have the kids do like a virtual tour where they can walk through all the ecosystems and it's all interactive. So they can look at like the weather, they can look at and it's not like it's not like, you know, even when we were kids where it's like, okay, it's a little very obviously computer generated click here, you know, click here. It's very much a, like you hear a snake. Okay. Where's the snake? Like you've got to actually like look around and do stuff. Mm -hmm. And apparently the, you know, kids are way into it, but so there's, you know, checks and balances as it were. Yep. The, uh, and well, to, to sort of my point was about, you know, the, the threat and everything. I mean, I think, you know, the matrix doesn't predict what's going to happen, but it's telling us like, this is where we're headed, right? Like, um, you know, virtual reality and just like interaction with people and everything is going to be more virtual. And we're just going to like sit around and, and as Mike said, not really interact personally, but virtually. What did Wally say? What was it? The blue was the new red or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're just all in floating chairs. I think, um, oh, oh, one more thing on my list mm-hmm. was the personal companion robot, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yes, right. robots. We all thought that they were going to be a thing. I mean, R2-D2, 3PO, uh, whether it's, uh, you know. Looking, Even before it's that, you had Huey, Dewey, and Louie from robot uh, Silent just, Running. Uh, that looks like an owl, you know, like they had, like everything had robots then. And uh, and AIs, right? That's the right. other uh, component with robots, right? 
Right. Robots and, and cyborgs. See, unfortunately, I mean, no offense to Samuel L. Jackson, but unfortunately, uh, my my uh, smart device at home, it, it can't do Roddy McDowell. Uh, you know, uh, I, I won't be able to get that celebrity voice. Um, but, I, you know, and it still doesn't recognize my uh, my commands half the time. You know, I, I set up all these routines so that you can communicate with from one device to another, like an intercom. And uh, and I would say, you know, device, you know, call Debbie's office, and it would go. I don't know that. And you know, and you know, and uh, did you mean Debbie's cell phone? And you know, for God's sake, I, f- I eventually had to change it to hail Debbie's office because it wasn't connected to another word that was something could, could possibly mean something else. Oh, and, exactly. And it's just you like, know, like oh. How many, yeah, well, how many times do we yell at Alexa or yell at um, Siri or something like right. that? You know? <laughs> and, you know, trying to get it in, you know, Siri, call so-and-so before the beep, you know, type thing <laughs> and everything. And it, and it's frustrating, especially when you're in the car and you're trying to pay attention to the road. Did you mean so-and-so? No! <laughs> and it's like somebody you didn't want to talk to or something like that. Calling? Uh, no, no. Hi, Mom. <laughs> yeah, Mom, how's it going? How are you doing? Yeah, yeah I know. I just... calls the person from college that's still in your phone that you haven't talked to in 10 years, and you're just like, who is this? <laughs> um, or if you, hang, if you hang up in time, then you have the person call you back, and they go, oh, you know, did you mean to call me? No, it was Siri. Well, how you been, man? I haven't talked to you in forever. Yeah. Tell me how's things. Uh huh. All right. There's a reason I don't talk to you. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, again, while it's not taking off very much here in the United States, uh, in Japan, I know they are working with having robots being uh, able to to uh, help the elderly to be able to help them in and out of bed be able to be an assistant to make sure they get their medications on time, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, when I say a robot assistant, it doesn't necessarily have uh, the appearance of a human being. Although they do that too, but it's usually like, you know, the, the, the kiosk at a mall, you know, uh, information kiosk where it'll just be the, uh, you know, somebody sitting behind the desk and it's a, it's a robot um, and, and all that sort of stuff. I think there's at least two malls, in Japan that have done that. Uh, but uh, the, this is more of like an industrial robot. You know, it has a big heavy arm that can support the weight of somebody and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And, and it, it uh, can pick up on whether or not you're breathing right at night and all those other things. And uh, so they have a very um, a large aging population and they're looking for ways to provide adequate care for everybody and somehow the, these robots are part of the solution for them. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take before that technology trickles to us or becomes available or or whatnot. But I thought that was interesting because uh, depending on how well you live your life, you might be uh, living quite a long time. And at some point you do need help. Um, so uh, not being a burden on other people is another issue and, uh, societal uh, mores and all that sort of stuff. So robots could be a, a very, very helpful there. 
Although I think, isn't that exactly how they were presented in Battlestar Galactica before the Cylon uh, <laughs> uprising? Sure. Uh, so, you know. It is, it, sorry, Jip. There's actually, I was going to say, there's actually one uh, webcomic that I recommend. It's called uh, Questionable Content. And it's very much a slice of life comic, but it's the only one that's ever had the robot singularity happen and everybody's cool. Like, basically, <laughs> no, it's the only one where, like, the robots all gain sentience, but, like, there's a whole subplot about, like, there's several subplots because several of the characters are robots, but it's treated as they're very much aware. They're they're sort of treated like other characters. They just are treated like, like, there's one who was an ex-military robot, and there was a whole, like, one of her story arcs was about how she didn't actively see combat because people all got their, you know, upset about robots and the dignity of war and yada, 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 yada crap going on but it's actually the only time in fiction where it's like no they they all gain sentience and we're cool we're cool everybody's dead <laughs> well well it is uh despite that it is uh reassuring to know in this uh world where every we have all these other things to worry about the that the robotic uh the a possible robotic apocalypse is still on the table so, <laughs> <laughs> so i guess with that note uh we will on that uh, positive uh, note right there I know, right right <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that's what science fiction tells us is that any of these little things uh, that, you know, any of this technology that we mess with is capable of uh, giving us an apocalypse. But then we renew each other and uh, we renew ourselves and we're we're, we're still fine. So uh, in any case, uh, it's been fun uh, going down memory lane as far as what uh, we were thinking as kids. I thank you guys for once again joining us and providing us with science. And uh, we will take a quick break and then we will close out the show. Everybody, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. Chris Franz and Tina Weymouth of Talking Heads were involved in a car accident about three weeks ago when a drunk driver uh, crossed the center line and hit them head on on Route 1, uh, ran right into their Ford SUV. Uh, Chris Franz is fine. Tina Weymouth has uh, three broken ribs and a fractured sternum. She was in a lot of pain, but uh, with rest, she will get better, which is good to know. Chris Franz thanked their guardian angels and the Ford Motor Company for uh, building a vehicle that protected them. Also, Roxy Music, uh, recent inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are marking the 50th anniversary of their first album with their first tour in 11 years. They will kick that off in Toronto on September 7th, I believe, and they will be crossing North America with St. Vincent on all of their shows except for the Boston ones, Uh, and then they will head over for three shows in the UK. They are also planning to reissue all of their album catalog, all eight albums, on vinyl to celebrate the 50th anniversary. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. We'll catch you next time. At the 42 Cast, we want to bring you everything. And that's why we've jam-packed the next few months with as much as we can. You not only get the same reviews, topics, and interviews that you did before, you also get screen reads where we compare a movie to its source material or role models where we talk about tabletop gaming. It's never been a more exciting time to check out our show. It's your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. So why not check it out? We can be found on most podcasting platforms, and we are a proud member of the ESO Network.
Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Our Flag Means Death, Season 1. I was thrilled to hear that Taika Waititi was back doing another show, because I pretty much love anything that he does. Our Flag Means Death follows the antics of the gentleman pirate Steed as he decides to become a pirate, since he is actually just a very bored rich landowner who longs for something more, and that more is to be a pirate. He uses his money, builds a ship, and leaves his family from his arranged marriage, and sails with a rather amusing crew on the high seas. Steed ends up catching the eye of Blackbeard, played by Waititi, and the hilarity ensues. There were so many really funny moments in this show, from a group of them creating a pyramid scheme, to just lots and lots of really, really funny jokes and cameos. This show is hilarious. It had a ton of great cameos and is really, really well written. Like, really, really well written. I absolutely love it. And I can't wait to see what awaits us in season two. Because after the cliffhanger that we get left with in season one, I need to know what happens. I'm too emotionally involved with this and I need to know what happens. If you're interested in watching Our Flag Means Death, the entire first season is now on HBO Max to watch. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Erstition One Podcast. I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Of course, Dr. Scott, thank you as always, my friend. Oh, thank you. Please. It's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Well, uh, I just saw Upload Season 2, uh, and so I'm really enjoying that series. Um, and unfortunately, it only has uh, seven episodes Season 2. So it ends on quite the cliffhanger. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping there's a Season 3. Um, so, It'd be great okay. if it did. Yes. Yeah, Do you remember the days when TV used to have 22 episodes, 25 26. episodes? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so yeah, much yeah. filler. Let's put it this way: uh, even in even in Britain, it was it used to be different, right? The, the first Doctor had over twenty episodes in his first season. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Yes, uh, upload was amazing. Actually, as we speak, Judy's watching season one again because with her condition, she often forgets what she's watched if it isn't like in. Hey, it's new for time. her. Exactly. So she's watching it downstairs again. As we're talking, so we'll be able to watch season two again. So, That's awesome. Yes. So it's pretty cool. And Chip, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Anything you want to shout out about? Uh, well, you guys already took mine with Upload, but I would say also, if you haven't seen the first episode of Moon Knight, uh, I'd kind of recommend. Uh, kind of? Kind of? Um, I will, what I was going to say is, it, it's a slow burn. It's very much... Moon Knight is not your standard Marvel hero, so there's a lot of setup in this episode. So you kind of gotta hold on till the end if you're because like my wife, who's not a huge Marvel fan, was like kind of bored about 20 minutes in. But once you get to the end, it it, it starts to pick up a little bit. So first episode I thought was pretty good. Just mm-hmm. maybe needs a mm, cool. Can't wait to watch it. Awesome, sir, and Mr. Mike. Solid. As always, it's my pleasure. Yes, sir. We made it through another one, my friend. We did. 
So anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. Uh, you know, sometimes there's snow in April, and this April uh, sees another one of uh, Bobby Nash's snow shorts. Uh, this one, uh, these are fun little adventures uh, with featuring the character or characters in his Abraham Snow universe. This one has Abraham Snow himself, and it's written by the award-winning author himself, Bobby Nash. Uh, has a he's chasing down a bad guy in in a snowy environment. So there's lots of snow. Uh, there's characters named Snow. There's lots of snow on the ground. There's snow falling from the sky. Lots of snow. Lots of snow. So uh, it's a really great story. Um, I would say that even if I didn't uh, edit it, uh, but um, uh, I definitely recommend people check it out. It's the latest uh, snow short, and I think those are like. Yeah, I think you can download those for like 99 cents. So um, they're really good. Cool. You could have some short snow tonight. Awesome. So definitely Bobby's doing a great job. And Mike, cool that you're editing it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to do. I'm glad to help them out. And uh, like I said, they're they're great stories. I, I was reading before I, I got a chance to work on them. So I, I like the universe he's created there. No, totally understand that. Totally, totally understand that. Very cool. Um, for my shout out, actually, we are going to be at a convention coming this weekend. That's Woo! right. We are going to be at South Carolina Comic Con in Greenville Saturday and Sunday. So that is the 9th and 10th of April. And there's some amazing guests there this year. You could even see a doctor. You could see Sylvester McCoy and a lot of other celebrities and a lot of wrestlers, a lot of artists. And you're going to see also... Mike and I, that's right. We will be there. Uh, Mike will be there with the Tiki Zombie Table. And I am going to be there with the ESO Network Table. So I'm going to be at Table 425. So definitely please stop by. I'm actually going to have a lot of emptying house, as I like to call it, stuff to sell, including pop figures, some toys I picked up, and, you know, just some cool stuff. You never know what could be at our table. And, you know, just stop by, say howdy, and, you know, just be great to see everybody. And, you know, Robert was here last week talking with Comic Book Trivia, and he talked up the con a bit. I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody, and Greenfield's just a great place to visit anyway. It's, you know, if you ever get a chance, please, please, please check it out. And you can find it at sccomiccon.com. And it's a wonderful time. Definitely worth checking out. So please, you know, stop by, say howdy. Have you gotten your table number already, Mike? I do. I was just about to say thanks for that. Um, because, yeah, Peter and I will have uh, a table apiece. Um, so uh, we will be on a um, sort of end table uh, situation and, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, 235 and 334. I know it sounds like two numbers that don't go together, but it actually makes sense. So there will be at 235 and 334. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I love this show um, and it's going to be a fun time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's going to be a ton of fun. And, you know, we also get Papa's and beer, so it's even better. So it's always a great time with that. So margarita time. Yes, I can't wait. Right. Definitely. Yes. Exactly. Fajitas, oh, really good stuff. Yes, they should start advertising on the show because, you know, that would just make <laughs> our mouth drool in either way. So it would be a ton of fun. But um, join us next week. Speaking of making your food drool, we are going to be back with Darren and Mary are going to be joining us for an LGBT episode. 
and we are going to be looking at fried green tomatoes. It should be a ton of fun. So you never know what you could get down in the Southern stop there. So it's going to be a fun time to talk with everybody and always great. Um, thank you everybody for the great feedback we've gotten so far. Our numbers have been really good with the Fred Hembeck interview last week. Uh, Fred was a blast to talk to and, anytime he wants to come back i'm actually looking forward to when he gets the disney plus so we could talk about the beatles he was yeah. like you know he was chomping at the bit about it and it was a lot of fun but you know please you know tell your friends if anyone is a friend or fan of fred hebbuck please check out the interview he goes into a lot of detail about growing up and everything about with comics and his history and everything but as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at NSC Live TV. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including new TuneIn Radio. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yeah, we're not too proud. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Dr. Scott Vigay, and Chip Johnson, thank you so much for listening. And as always, please hug your loved ones. Be thankful for everything you got. And you know what? Join us next time. We will miss you guys until then. Peace. We are done. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.